I want you to imagine something. I want you to picture everybody you love. Family. Let's stick with family for now. Mom, dad. If you're married, picture your wife, your husband, and your kids, and your dog too. And I want you to imagine you're all together. You're all sitting together in a room. It's a comfortable room. Not a bad room at all. But you're all sitting around, looking at each other in the eye, and you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, not not think, you know, you're about to die, all of you. What does that feel like? What do you say to each other in that moment? Do you say anything at all? Do you pray? Do you cry? Do you laugh? I don't know what that moment feels like. Obviously, you don't either, or you wouldn't be listening to the sound of my voice. But just know, people in the story we're about to tell, they got to find out. Welcome to history. Now, the story today is about the Titanic. The sinking, more specifically, of the Titanic, but the Titanic's general story, a story you know. You know this story, and occasionally we do stories you don't know. Occasionally we do stories you do. Undoubtedly, right now, you know Titanic was a gigantic ship that sank and a bunch of people died. That's what you know about it. Let's do just a little background before we get into the actual sinking of the Titanic. Now, shipping. Shipping is a fascinating thing if you take time to ever actually dig into it. No, not the minutia of it. I don't expect you to take your family down to the docks today to have a good time watching the ships come and go. But just in general, how it evolved over time, how it advanced, I guess I should say, over time. What do I mean by that? Well, think about old days, old, old ancient times, Rome, something like that. Yes, there was shipping. There was some international shipping on a limited basis. But remember, the ocean, as we will once again find out today, is simply a terrifying place at times. It is vast beyond all belief. It is treacherous. Storms come from anywhere. Waves, weather come from anywhere. You can easily find yourself either lost or know where you are but can't get where you want to go. Currents pull you another way. And we're not even talking about the monsters that lurk underneath the water. The ocean is a scary place. It's why I've always loved it. I have always loved it. We used to go to the beach when I was a kid. I still get to the ocean every chance I get. I love being on it. I love being on it in a boat. I love swimming in it. And part of the reason I have always loved it is it makes my heart pound a little bit. It's a little bit exciting, right? It's a little scary. I don't know. Shark down there? Current out there? Storm coming? Waves? Is this boat going to make it? There's always 
part of that. And when you're out on a boat, and those who've done this will know what I'm talking about, when you're out on a boat and you're looking at all of the ocean, more than anything else, it reminds me how small I am. You can feel like the biggest, toughest person in the world or even be in a great big boat and, oh, this is great, and you look around and think, wow, I'm a speck, a tiny, tiny speck, and like that, I can be gone. This place can swallow me, and nobody will ever see me again. It's exciting. It's scary. It's exciting. Now, shipping throughout time got more and more and more advanced. Why? Well, people want to go to and fro, and they want to send their goods and services to and fro. As we began to, mankind meaning when I say we, as we began to discover new parts of the world, we wanted to get there more and more. We wanted more ships to go there. We wanted more people to go there and build the place up. And this applies to everywhere Underneath the sun. Oh, wow. Cape of Good Hope. Oh, Australia, South America, North America. This seems like a nice place. Oh, wow. They have stuff we want here. Gold, silver, cotton, whatever the case may be. We need people over there. People want to go over there. What I'm saying is ocean travel advanced because mankind just continued to expand And because he wanted to expand, shipping got better and better. However, we live in an era right now, you and I, that's a little different. What I mean by that is this. If you, if you decide today, I want to travel across the ocean to Europe somewhere. Or if you're in Europe, maybe you want to travel across the ocean to America. How you will almost undoubtedly choose to do that will be a cruise ship of some kind. You will show up on this ship. You may even pay a little extra for the, for the, for the bellhop to take your luggage down to your room for you. Once you get it situated on the ship, you'll probably head up, maybe check out the pool. Grab yourself a cocktail, perhaps. Take in a comedy show that night. You'll eat a delicious meal at several different restaurant choices. And then you'll at some point retire to your cabin and adjust the temperature in this cabin just the way you want and go to sleep in your nice bed. Wake up in the morning, take a nice shower, maybe walk out on the balcony and take in some fresh open smells in the morning. That's how you travel across oceans now. That is not how they traveled back then. That is not how ocean travel used to be. For the majority of human history, ocean travel sucked. It was long, hot and cold, and miserable. You see ships, especially the men who worked on ships. If you wanted to be in shipping, you wanted to be in the Navy, they were in general the guys without other options. Why? Because people with options don't hop on board a ship and stay there eating crappy food and bad water for a month at a time. And even if you're traveling for 
leisure or just moving, let's say you're a well-to-do family in a place like Britain and you decide you want to start something new in Australia, which was something, obviously, a common thing, you were signing up for months on the water. You might not even make it either. You might not even make it. You're still in the time of sale. It's just what I'm trying to get across to you is forever, for the majority of human history, it wasn't exactly a rip-roaring good time to be out on the water. And then, as, as happens when, in, when you have capitalism out there, advancements begin to happen because people always are going to look around. They're going to look at the deficiencies. They're going to look at places where things are wanting, and they're going to say to themselves, how can I provide something here that people want and make money on it? People began to figure out, wait a minute, ocean travel sucks. Everyone hates it, but people do want to travel. They do want to go to and fro. What if we found a way to make it nice? What if we found a way to make ocean travel a thing you wanted to do? You wanted to be on the ocean just because the ship was so nice. And companies began to dig into this problem. One such company is one you may have heard of before. It applies to our story today. It was called the White Star Line. They're an old company. Of course, unsurprisingly, an international shipping company. And there's huge money in that then and now. That will never change. There's just a great deal of money and taking these goods and services from this place and shipping it across the ocean to this place. It's profitable. Always has been. They realized, well, there may be some money in shipping people as well. People may choose to spend a pretty penny to travel across the ocean in some level of comfort. Companies began to build passenger ships with some level of comfort. You're no longer stuck in some crappy cabin somewhere. Maybe we could make the bed a little nicer. Maybe a place for the ladies to take a bath. What if we got the men a room so they can sip a cocktail, have a cigar? What if we spruced this place up and made it more of a floating hotel? Well, that caught on, but also at first when it came to passenger ships, speed caught on. They thought, well, okay, we want some comforts. We really want some comforts, but more than anything, people just don't want to be stuck on this stinking ship. Let's just make them fast. But they started to figure out people enjoyed the speed. They wanted speed, but they also wanted other things. They wanted air conditioning. They wanted heat. They wanted other things. And so companies like the White Star Line began to compete with each other to make ocean travel the most appealing it could possibly be. What if we built a ship, a huge ship? And what if we made all the cabins in the ship a place you want to be? What if we made the restaurant on the ship a, a restaurant you want to sit down and eat at? What if we made this thing luxury? And so they began. 
and places, companies like the White Star Line, they began to build ships. Ships like the Olympic. Ships like the Olympic's twin ship, the Titanic. Should be noted, the White Star Line also built the Lusitania. So talk about the all-time bad luck of bad luck. You think your company had a rough year. Now, what was the Titanic? The Titanic was international news. The Olympic was too, but the Titanic was international news because it was the biggest and because it simply provided luxuries that other ships had never provided before. Yes, it was fast. It wasn't the fastest on the ocean. It was fast, but it was luxurious. Luxurious. Have you seen the movie, the famous blockbuster movie, uh, Titanic? Obviously, that movie was huge when it came out. It's what people get most of their Titanic knowledge from. You should know, obviously, the movie got some things wrong and took plenty of liberties because that's what Hollywood does. No problem there. I'm not one of these people who dogs on Hollywood for that. They're trying to adjust it so it's something you enjoy. Granted, I wish Hollywood made a bunch more historical movies, but I'm not in the movie-making business, so I can't really complain. However, one thing that movie nailed and absolutely nailed, every expert on Titanic says this, they nailed the look of the ship, the feel of the ship, the details of the ship, that grand staircase. Maybe you remember the grand staircase. They tried to make a big thing of it in the movie. There was a staircase there, and it was just so huge and nice. They nailed that to perfection. That's what it looked like. If you want to know what Titanic looked like, it looked like that. But one thing they couldn't possibly do in that film, and something I can't possibly do for you now, is drive home to you how absurdly abnormal that was for anything people had really known for shipping. It was all of a sudden, oh, no, we have to... We have to go across the ocean? I don't want to go across the ocean. That sounds miserable. It went from that to, oh my gosh, can I get on that ship? How much will it cost me to get on that ship? I'll pay anything. I'll do anything to get on that ship. Called it a floating palace for a reason. Now, one thing that's going to come up continuously in our little brief chat today about Titanic is this. There have been a million documentaries and books and and articles written about Titanic since the moment it hit the bottom of the ocean floor. Articles about this part of it or that part of it or this captain and, and, and this passenger and how this messed up and that messed up. And we're going to go over some of the things that went wrong today, but I will be honest with you. When I started really, really digging into this and started digging through this reading and that book and this documentary and this, I was expecting to find tons and tons of things that had me convinced, oh gosh, this, this was a huge screw up by this person or that person. And And this person is responsible and that person is responsible. But to give you a little spoiler alert here, I don't think anyone was responsible. Oh, you can maybe twist yourself around and say, well, if he would have only done this, if she would have only done that, this wouldn't have happened. But 
the more you dig into Titanic, the more it looks like just the one of the world's biggest cases of accidents happen. Bad luck, misfortune, God's wrath, however you want to put it. It just looks like something that was bound to happen. The captain, Edward John Smith was his name. He's often referenced as some buffoon if you're if you're reading all these articles and books. And I understand once you've read one book on Titanic, the next author can't write the same book. So he has to write a different book with a different angle saying, well, if the stars were actually aligned here. But the truth is, Edward John Smith, captain of the Titanic, he died in the Titanic. Last seen walking towards the bridge. Edward John Smith had an outstanding reputation. Outstanding reputation. He wasn't some controversial hire. Edward John Smith had several officers that were underneath him in the the ship. Universally, they loved and respected him. Edward John Smith was not some careless buffoon who just stumbled onto this great ship one day and decided, I'll take the wheel. Edward John Smith was extremely experienced, had spent a lifetime on the water, knew what he was doing. The other officers with him, I just mentioned them briefly, extremely experienced. All men who knew what they were doing had histories, exemplary histories of getting the job done and getting the job done right. That's why a huge company like White Star Line hired these men. Another thing people try to twist up about the Titanic, the the movie did this well too, is try to create some huge controversy between first, second, and third class. Just for those who don't know, understand there were first class tickets, obviously the most expensive, second class tickets, less expensive, and then third class tickets. And they try to play this whole thing up as if third class, especially, they were just treated like dogs and tossed them some table scraps and they they kept them locked down below like animals and they let them drown down there. I always thought that was true. Yeah, that's not true at all. Not true at all. The third class on Titanic, you know what they were? Immigrants. They were people immigrating to the United States of America, not on a luxury cruise, not on a just, hey, I want to travel across the ocean thing. They were people immigrating to the United States. Why were they third class? Well, yes, they didn't have a bunch of money, but they had scraped together enough money to immigrate in style on the Titanic. They were they were locked down below, but they weren't locked down below because everybody hated them or they were viewed as a lower class, although I'm sure there was some of that. They were locked down below because of immigration laws. There were rules. They had to worry about diseases. These people were checked when they got on board. Any nation, well, any sane nation, monitors its immigrants. You must to keep disease and things like that out of your country. So, yes, they were kept in the worst class, no question about it. But understand this. The cabins third class stayed in, they had hot and cold water. Now, you're saying to yourself, oh, wow, that's nice. No, you don't understand these people. They didn't have hot and cold water back in their homes. On Titanic, they were staying in better accommodations than they had at the homes they were leaving. Third class had it very nice. 
Second class, also very, very nice. And then we get up to first class, and the dollar amounts we're talking about are absurd here. But then again, we're talking some of the richest people on the planet were either on this ship or supposed to be on this ship. J.P. Morgan himself famously had a cabin reserved for himself on this ship and couldn't make it. There, are, I, For some reason, I can't seem to get a straight answer on why he couldn't man- make it. The bottom line is nobody knows. And nobody ever wants to do a history podcast or history article or history book and simply come out and say, I don't know. I guess that's what makes this one a little different because I don't know. And clearly y'all don't know either. Some people say he had a head cold, the flu. Some people say he had a bad dream. You can't, you can't get a straight answer. But understand this about the Titanic. It was nice for everyone. It was nice for everyone. Everyone thought this is the place I want to be. Now, the Titanic takes off. Remember, it's taking off and it's heading towards New York. It's heading across the Atlantic. It makes a quick stop in France, I should note. It also makes a stop in Ireland. In Ireland, at least one member of the crew got off of the ship. That was his plan all along. He was just kind of trying to act like he wanted to be part of the Titanic, but in reality, he just wanted to hitch a free ride to Ireland. So he snuck off the ship and stayed off. What a lucky devil, huh? And then it takes off from Ireland after a couple brief stops and takes off for New York City. Now, Remember, this is the maiden voyage of the Titanic, and it is international news. It's hard for you and I to wrap our minds around that now, because as I'm speaking to you, there are undoubtedly multiple luxury, luxury cruise ships, gigantic ones around the world, sailing different places, and you don't care. I don't care. You don't know the names of any of them. I don't know the names of any of them. Who cares? It's a ship. Okay, I I hope they have fun. It's just not a big deal for you. Well, this is the era when people are learning about new technology and they marvel at it. If you were alive, if you're a little older and you were alive to, to remember the spaceships, the first spaceships, they start launching into outer space, that was similar to what the Titanic would be, something brand new. What? What? A huge ship? A luxury ship? Oh, my gosh. I would give anything to be on that ship. So it was already international news. Finally leaves, takes off towards New York City. Now, not every ship had radio on it, even at this time. Isn't that crazy? When I say radio, I mean cop on the microphone. Hey, uh, Mr. Ship over there. This is Mr. Ship 1. Hello, Mr. Ship 2. How's the weather over there? This is not that era quite yet. Yes, Titanic had a radio on it because it was more advanced, but it would have been the norm that Titanic didn't run into other ships and see they had radios on them. Also, in case you're one of the people who nerds out on the details, you should know this. Ships don't take off you know, from the UK and head towards New York City and just kind of you know, just point west Let's just go there. Let's just aim right for New for New York. We'll just head right to it. That's not really how it works. Not then and not now. Ships, 
in order to avoid collisions with each other, in order to avoid areas with bad currents and bad weather and things like that, ships will carve out almost, I need you to think of them like super highways for themselves, routes, specifically laid out routes in the ocean. You know, White Star Line, Titanic, these kind of international ships, they actually had a specific route. Now, it was a little wider than your highway. It's something like 50, 60 miles wide. They had a route you would take. You would stay within this specific corridor heading towards New York. And then they had a separate one for coming back. Obviously, they wanted it separate because you had to worry about collisions. Contrary to popular opinion, they were well aware of all the other ships out there. They were also well aware, this is the era before radar, mind you, that the only way to avoid a collision with another ship is for you to see it in time, and Lord willing, it sees you in time. And then you both break the same direction. That's the goal, because obviously a shipwreck is a big, big, big deal. Now, let's get to Titanic before we get to the ice fields. Let's talk about how Titanic was built. There's a lot of rumor out there that they said it was unsinkable. Now, I'll say this. That's not specifically what they said about Titanic, but it was said about it. It would be very, very, very difficult. It's difficult to believe how you could sink it. And here's the crazy thing. People use that now as this great lesson for people. Be careful what you say. Don't get too cocky. Hubris kills. Pride goes before the fall. Those kind of things. Look what Titanic said. Unsinkable, and then it sank right away. But they were kind of right. I mean, when I say kind of right, this is what I mean. I know what you're saying, but Jesse, it sank. Yeah, it sank. But the way they designed it, how advanced they'd become at shipping... The way they designed it was this. They had watertight compartments. Now, what does that mean? I want you to picture a ship from the side. Okay, you're standing on the dock, and you're looking at the side of the ship. Now, I want you to draw in your mind vertical lines, pillars, if you will, going up and down the ship. Each one of those is a watertight compartment in these ships. What does that actually mean to you? Because this can get mind-numbingly boring with all the engineer talk. What it means is if this compartment somehow gets punctured, gets stabbed, the giant spear hits it. Okay, that sucks. It's going to fill up with water because the ocean's out there. But because it's a watertight compartment, it's not going to leak into the other parts of the ship. It's simply one cell, if you will, that's full of water. Titanic was built so well engineered so well that it could withstand four of its compartments flooding. Four. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's more than you can reasonably assume you're even going to have to withstand. Now, it couldn't withstand five, which we'll get to in a moment, but it could withstand four. Again, back to my point, I don't necessarily think this is anybody's fault. Titanic... It wasn't some engineering disaster. Titanic was a great ship. A ship without hesitation I would have been on if I could afford it. I would have taken my family on. You would have too. Now, that's Titanic. Let's set that aside for a moment. Let's get to the ice. Because a lot gets made about this too. The ice. 
Well, one, understand that there was ice in the North Atlantic wasn't exactly breaking news. That would be like saying, oh my gosh, have you guys heard the crazy news out there? There's uh, sunshine and, uh, and a little rain too in Florida this year. Ice in the North Atlantic is not some crazy abnormality you would better adjust your plans for. Ice in the North Atlantic is the rule. There's ice in the North Atlantic pretty much all the time. It's freezing. Now, ships were aware of how dangerous icebergs were to them. It was simply a calculated risk every ship took. It's not as if they, they, they twist this up. It's not as if Titanic was the one out there saying, ice, give me a break. We're not worried about that. We're unsinkable. Full speed ahead, Bob. That's not it at all. They all knew ice was a danger. They all knew they had to look out for it. They all knew they had to look out for each other. When one ship would run into ice in a particular spot, they would make sure they knew all the other ships they could signal or radio knew. This is, this is the norm. This is the norm. And there's another ship that's going to play a part in our story today, one you may not know about, called the Californian. The Californian sees ice. It actually does send Titanic a message about the ice. There's an ice field, an icebergs. Well, Titanic got the message. Yes, they kind of blew it off, but... Every ship in that thing, in that area at that time, would have blown it off. When I say blown it off, they still said, okay, I understand, but we're, we're going to keep going. Contrary to popular belief, though, they didn't just ignore the ice threat. Immediately, they did the smart thing, the right thing, and they put lookouts out. Not only did they put lookouts out, they put great, experienced lookouts out to look out for icebergs, and they made them go outside so no window would obstruct their view. Titanic did the right thing. Put your lookouts out. Put good lookouts out. Let's make sure we get this thing done right. They cruise on, and they cruise on. They saw the iceberg that downed them, and... In most scenarios, they saw the iceberg that downed them in time. They saw it, issued the warning, the ship turns. Ship turns as fast as it possibly can. Nobody screwed up there. There was no delay. They turned. They avoided the iceberg. They were heading right forward. It, was, it would have been a head-on uh, collision. By the way, quick side note, you can use this at your water cooler. If Titanic had just run into that, uh, that iceberg full speed ahead, straight on, head on, Titanic would have been fine. Oh, don't get me wrong. The ship would have been damaged extremely, and some people in the very front, especially the people sleeping in the bottom, would have died but it would not have flooded all these compartments and sank, not at all. Ship would have been damaged, probably would have, would have kept shipping on into port. But instead, they avoided the iceberg. So the iceberg just scraped along the side. But again, bad luck is what bad luck is. Scraped along the side meant something different this time because the iceberg had a gigantic 
jagged, obviously extremely hard. It would have to be very hard to puncture the hull of the ship. Extremely hard portion sticking out at the bottom. And avoiding the iceberg, which you should have done, which they should have done, turned out to be what did Titanic in because it allowed this gigantic knife, for lack of a better way to put it, to puncture a compartment. But then Titanic was still moving forward. You can't stop a ship that size that fast and not only punctured the compartment, it stayed in there and it scraped along the side of the ship and it punctured a second compartment and then a third compartment and then a fourth compartment. And even then, even then, they would have been okay except it kept going for one more and punctured a fifth. Now, the second that thing punctured the fifth watertight compartment, Titanic was doomed. Doomed. Now, let's pause here briefly and talk about the lifeboat situation because this is another one of those things people make out to be some huge negligent thing the Titanic screwed up. They murdered people by not having these lifeboats on there. Not really. In hindsight, you could say that maybe, but not really. What do I mean by that? Well, understand this about lifeboats, especially lifeboats on ships back then. Lifeboats go up high. They go up high. And the more weight you have at the top of a ship the less stable the ship is. You want your weight down below. You want your weight at the bottom, keeping your ship more stable. Titanic, yes, it's true. They didn't have enough lifeboats for every passenger. But one, they actually did have more lifeboats than they were required to have. One and two, the truth is, if you want to have a lifeboat for every passenger, room on a lifeboat for every passenger on a ship, You don't need enough lifeboats. You need twice as many lifeboats. Why? When a ship sinks, almost undoubtedly, it's because it's been damaged on one of its sides, port or starboard, right or left, depending on how you want to put it. And when a ship gets damaged on one of its sides, it begins to lean to that side as it takes on water. They call it listing. It begins to list towards that side. Well, as a ship lists... Picture the lifeboats at the top of the ship on the opposite side, opposite direction it's listing. What are they doing? They're now leaning directly against the ship. They no longer can be lowered into the water. They're pressed on the ship, and you can't unpress them. You understand what I'm saying? We can make Titanic out to be this negligent, idiotic, what buffoons, they killed people. Titanic did the exact same thing you would have done, the exact same thing I would have done. They said, let's get plenty of lifeboats on the ship. No, not enough for everybody, because why would we need enough for everybody? If we take damage, we'll have time to ferry people back and forth on these lifeboats to whatever ship comes to rescue us, because clearly we're not going to hit anything that will sink us faster than we can be rescued, right? Now, I know in hindsight, you and I sitting here in the year 2021, in hindsight, that looks suicidal. It looks idiotic. But you must know, 
at the time, it made sense. It made total sense. They did the right thing. All right, back down to the gash in the ship. Right away, the water pours into the boiler room in the front of the ship. That's a problem. People begin drowning and dying underneath right off the bat. Now, we know there's... We know that they were on top of this damage right away. They grabbed the engineer. They grabbed the guy who designed it immediately. They weren't negligent. They weren't lazy. They grabbed him immediately and said, Whoa, okay, uh, we just brushed up against an iceberg. Clearly, we took some damage. Come check this out. He gets on this right away. He goes down. He checks this out. He starts looking. He immediately comes to the conclusion, and I mean immediately, the ship is going to sink. It punctured five compartments. Titanic is sinking. Titanic then immediately began sending out help signals. Sending out help signals. Again, doing the right thing. Sending out signals to everybody. We're going down. Come help us. And now there's another part. History gets wrong on this. People act as if they kept the third class passengers down below Locked away while the rich people were able to sit down on the lifeboats. That's simply not true. As soon, I mean, as soon as they realized the Titanic was going to sink, they went down and opened up the gates that kept the third class. Remember, the immigrants kept the third class in the third class. Now, let's get to a couple things, a couple terrible things that are true. Lifeboats began leaving, and they did begin leaving right away, and they began leaving right away when they weren't full. They just started loading people onto them. Apparently, it was disorganized, and you can imagine that would be a scary situation. They began loading people onto them, and, well, not enough. Not enough people. That's the truth. Now, there's something we have to understand about how people conducted themselves on Titanic, because a lot gets made of this, too. Human beings, you and I, we hope we never have to find out, but we don't know how we're going to react in any disaster scenario. We hope, obviously, that we'll be the upstanding hero, but we don't know that, do we? You and I don't know that. We can wish it, but we don't know that. What if your plane starts going down, falling out of the sky? Are you going to be the type of person who tries to calm people down, maybe says a nice prayer? Or are you going to be the hysterical person screaming and running up and down the aisles, we're all going to die? Are you going to be the one pushing women and children out of the way? No, I want to be safe. I don't know. You don't know. When Titanic began going down, just know there were plenty of villains, plenty of people trying to angle their way on a lifeboat when they knew there weren't enough space and, and they wanted to get the women and children out of the way so they could be safe. And there were plenty of heroes as well. Yes, this is a famous thing the band played on. The band actually did do that. While the lifeboats were getting loaded, 
and shoving off the band did play on. Now, the band actually stopped playing once all the lifeboats were gone. People think they just played till they sunk into the water. That's not true. They packed everything up, and, and, and some of them were found. They found them later with their uh, instruments strapped on them. They found them dead in the water. The band played until the lifeboats were gone. Something else you have to know about these shipwrecks and ship disasters, and this applies to all of them, not just Titanic. It applies to the Navy ships that go down. It applies to everything. Something we don't think about on ships is all the heavy stuff in them that can move when a ship begins to list, when a ship begins to sink. We don't think, probably because we don't want to think, about all the people crushed to death about all the people smashed all the people who had this fall from this shelf this piano move this move here breaking this leg stuck here it's just a terrible terrible situation now as titanic goes into the water they actually tried to also send morse code to that ship the californian remember the californian The Californian is famous because it's considered sometimes the mystery ship. It wasn't a mystery ship. We know exactly what it is. They sent Morse code to the Californian. Well, again, back to the all-time bad luck. I won't nerd out on the scientific details of it for you here, but just know because of the temperatures and the warm air and then the cold air, the Californian couldn't quite make out what was being said. They couldn't see it. They couldn't make out the distance. Now, another thing about the Californian They had run into ice, too. They were scared of it. They decided they were going to wait until daylight to come see what the problem was with this ship. It wasn't really an act of cowardice. They didn't know how bad it was. The captain of that ship, it should be noted, regretted it till the day he died, of course. Of course. Now, a couple cool stories. I believe these are actually depicted in the movies, but a couple cool stories. Once the lifeboats were gone, Some men went down and put on their best clothing and they dressed up and they went to the drinking room where they smoked cigars and drank brandy until they died. Priests aboard the ship, at least one that I know of, begin gathering people around, taking confession, praying. I already mentioned what the band did. But I do, as we come towards the end of our story here, I do want to point something out. That story from the beginning, that's something real families went through. The whole family sitting inside, scared, getting ready to die. The reason so many more third-class passengers died than, than first-class was, one, the first-class passengers were up close to the lifeboats, so they got to the lifeboats first. And two, remember, the third-class ones were the ones who were immigrating. You don't just immigrate by yourself. You immigrate with your family. And so many chose to die together as a family. So they would sit there, mother, father, big families too, several sons, several daughters, sitting there in the ship, waiting to die. What's that like? What was it like when, and this did happen, what was it like when the power finally went out? In the dead of night. Now you're sitting there in the dark with the screams and the cries and the anguish. And you know, you know what's waiting for you. Death, of course, is waiting for you. But death in water that is below freezing. 
Not just death and water that's below freezing and in the dark. Death and water that's below freezing and in the dark. With your loved ones right beside you dying with you. I don't think we can probably tell the story, the tragic story of the Titanic enough because it is so tragic. But again, to what I was, what I've been saying the whole time, I looked into it a lot. And I just think it's maybe one of the world's worst cases of accidents happen. That's all.